This is it. Here we go. Episode number 259 of wow. no, no Laugh Track Podcast. I just heard it. Wow. That's right. That's four uh, years. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. We're five on the, years. We're on the stage. Five years, my friend. That is right. Yeah, that's a long time. That's but, good. Yeah. That voice you hear that I'm talking to right now is Andrew Schultz. How you doing, man? Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Uh, where do we start? Have you been in Minneapolis before performing? I yeah, I have. I did the other comedy club in the mall. Never heard of it? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they exist. That's true. Yeah, there's another one. We won't mention the name of it, I guess. Uh, I always wanted to do yours, but you guys didn't book me until now. So uh, <laughs> you guys waited until Dave Chappelle would come in town and sell out everything. You're like, all right, give, uh, give this kid Andrew a try. See if he can get some people in the seats. But, uh, but yeah, I did that other one in the mall. The sound is hor- horrible in that other club. I've heard. Have you been there? Do you do comedy? What is your... I do not do comedy. I'm a fan. Okay. I used to do radio. That's why I got the uh, okay. podcast gig With here. Tom Bernard? Yeah. I love Tom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Tom. Yeah. It's like one of the few guys to knock uh, Stern out of a market. He did? Or like not let Stern into a market. Yeah, last time I came here, I did his uh, thing. Oh, okay. Did, yeah, I did his uh, uh, podcast in, in this fucking Keebler Elf building that we're in right now. <laughs> Historic Keebler Elf Yeah, building. dude, it's great. It's, yeah, it's all... Yeah, it's great. Well, welcome to Acme, man. It's about time. Thanks. And yeah. I have nothing to do with you not being booked here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't personalize it. <laughs> Everything happens when it's supposed to. So you just got in town today? Yeah, yeah, I just got in town. Yeah, I had to cancel a couple shows. Sorry about that. What were you, what was... Uh... <sighs> I was filming Crashing, HBO's show Crashing. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, I j- they, they kind of like lay at last minute asked me to do an episode Wednesday. And I was supposed to come Tuesday... Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I said, guys, I'm sorry, I can't. You guys were very accommodating, so I appreciate that very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, so how was uh, how was your one day on the set of Crashing? Um, It was cool. You know, it's like uh, I, I learned about expectations. Like, you know, like uh, expect you always got to set. I don't know. I always set the expectations as high as I possibly can. You know, I'm, I'm, I have one or I have one line or something like that. Or, you know, it was a couple lines, and then another comic came into the scene with me, Gary Goldman. You yeah, know, Gary's brilliant. Of course. So, so then we each ended up having a line in this scene with Pete, and uh, you know, like I'm obviously so grateful to be in in this show and grateful to have the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to make this scene? Mine. How am I going to kill it? How am I going to have the Jonah Hill and forty year old version? Wow. Situation. You know, like I think you got to go into every situation like that. It's like, how do I hit a home run here? And um, the problem with going into that uh, situation like that is, if you don't, you feel like you bombed. You feel like you completely. Let yeah, down. you're setting a high expectation. There. Exactly. It's like when you first start comedy and you get one laugh, you're like, I do pretty good tonight. You know, and then after you've been doing comedy ten years. And, you know, you get a few laughs, but you're like, I didn't really challenge the audience. I didn't really push the envelope. You're like, ah, I fucking bombed. Yeah. You know, the expectation is that much higher. So it was something I learned. I was like, why am I so miserable after this experience? I should be so excited. And it was like, I, I thought I was going to kill the scene. They're going to kill off Artie, replace Artie with me. <laughs> it's going to be the Pete and Andrew show. You know what I mean? They're changing the name, exact, everything. <laughs> I, you know, you have grandiose you know, dreams when it comes to everything. So it's... Uh, it was one of those things. It was a good, I guess, lesson to learn. It's like maybe prepare for high expectations. Like go in there with the most. You were ready for the spinoff show two years I from now. I was ready, man. I think you have to think like that. It's just the problem with thinking like that is when it doesn't happen, you have to be able to handle the letdown. You know, and yeah. um, it's not like it was bad or anything like that. But it was, you know, it was, there was it was limited in what I guess I I thought I brought to the to the scene or what I did you do. play yourself yeah I got to play me which yeah. is so cool yeah you know that's yeah I think that's one of those things that's interesting about that show specifically is like when they ask you to play a character it's like it, it kind of says a lot about where you are in the comedy world yeah because if they're like they're like hey we'd like you to play this like uh club booker or something yeah, yeah. like that they're like oh I'm not famous enough to be me oh okay Andrew <laughs> we really want you to be the doorman <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. right it's like in Entourage you fe- remember Entourage oh yeah like that was the litmus test to how famous you were yeah. Right? Uh-huh. It's like, if they ask you to play you, you're a famous person. Yeah, that's true. If they ask you to play the, the car dealership owner, it's like, oh, yeah, you got some work to do <laughs> on, on your success. Yeah. I'm so. glad. Uh, I guess I never heard that that show was coming back for a second season. I'm not surprised, though. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm surprised people get the inside baseball of it. Like, Pete's trajectory in a lot of ways is very similar to mine. Like, it, not in terms of, like, coming from a Christian background and, like, having somebody fuck my wife or anything like that. But, like, in terms of what he did to get on stage, 
you know, like that was me. I literally the club where he was handing out tickets for, and the corner he was handing out tickets for. When I when I was doing it, it was called the Comedy Village, but before that was called the Boston Comedy Club, and that's just when I started. I moved back to New York after college, and then I would just hand out tickets on the corner and try to get people in and. And all these places, you know, this is just what I was doing. So it's pretty cool to see that in a show. Yeah, hell yeah. It's wild. Yeah. But you're right, inside baseball. So it's like, do people know? Like, I I, I guess they are interested. Or maybe people like, you know, maybe I I like that show. Like, I like experiencing a world I don't know anything about. Hell yeah. That's fun to Mm -hmm. do. Yeah, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, Have you ever found out, like, if uh, the people that you handed out the free tickets to early in your career are still around as fans of yours? Oh, God. You ever heard from anybody? Like, dude, man, you you handed me the ticket 10 years ago. That's interesting. Yeah, every once in a while, like, on Instagram or something like that, somebody might pop up. But I doubt they remember me. That's probably handed, they, you know. Yeah, they left that night going, yeah, that guy was funny. Exactly. Or, or no, when I was handling, or, out, the t- no, right, handing right. out tickets, they weren't going, oh, I need to see this guy again. You know, it was more yeah, I'm yeah. learning how to be funny, so maybe it's better they don't remember. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, that's why I always say to, like, people who move to New York to do comedy from other cities, like, in a lot of ways, it's a good thing. Because you come to New York City with an act already. You come to New York City funny. When you grow, like, I, I learned comedy and started comedy in New York pretty much. So it's like a lot of times the older people's perception of you is based on what they first saw. Sure. That first impression. Yeah. You know, and um, but if let's say you start in a place like Minnesota, then you move to New York and you got this, you know, hot 30 and shit. It's like, oh, this guy's really funny. Not like, oh, this guy's still doing... You know, Michael Jackson joke or whatever, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the horrible shit that you think is funny when you start. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily bad to come from a smaller market and move into a bigger one. Sure, sure. You ever taken any Minnesota comics in New York? No, I don't like you guys at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know Minnesota comic. Who's a Minnesota comic? Uh, you know who the most Minnesota comic is to me? Who? Uh, Ryan Hamilton. He's not even from Minnesota. <laughs> no, he's from Utah. He's from Idaho. Yeah, or Idaho. That's it. Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Iowa or one of those. But it's like, I don't know. Who's Minnesota? Who's big from Minnesota? Brian Regan or some shit? Who's, no, no. Who's from Minnesota? Uh, well, the prop Louis Anderson's probably the, but he's, you know, a different generation. The worst gig I ever did in my entire life was at the Louis Anderson Theater in the Palace Station Casino in Las Vegas. Have you heard of that? That is the worst gig I ever did. There were four people in the audience. Yeah, he used to rent that place out and do shows. Bullshit. You would. Huh? You would do that. No, he he did. Oh, he had to rent out his own theater? I think so. Oh, my God. That's embarrassing. But, uh, well, I remember there was a a gig I did, the worst gig I ever did in my life. And uh, keep this in mind. I've had a gig where I was punched in the face on stage. I had a gig where I had a lit candle thrown at me on stage. Nice. And I had a gig where I was assaulted afterward. So those you'd think those would be the top three. The worst I ever did. Four people in a theater. Uh One of them was like a guy who couldn't speak. He just had the, hello, how are you doing? Right? How do you laugh with that? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And, (laughs) right? So 25% of the audience couldn't talk or laugh without uh, robotic help. Right? And the other 20, another 25% was his nurse. Oh, no. Right? So it's really just three people yeah. in the audience, right? She didn't even want to be there. She, she didn't want to be there. To. She just had to be there to, like, <laughs> wipe saliva off of his <laughs> neck, right? And then this is the worst part about it. The other two people there were fans. So it's like I, I you in those gigs, you hope no fans show right. up to, right? Oh, no. But it's like I had two fans show up to a gig where they were pretty much the only people there. Yeah. You know, like the other guy, the Marlboro man in the front, he had no fucking clue what he was doing. I mean, it was just... Ugh. So yeah, shout out to Louie for that. Thanks, Louie. Did you uh, did you pull them aside after the show? Like I'm so fuck. If I would have known, man, I would even. I pulled them aside after the show. I was like, guys, I'm really Ryan Hamilton. I I, <laughs> I don't know who, you, who this Andrew Schultz guy is. You're coming to see, but dude, that was awful. Oh my god, was, I think I brought a girlfriend to that gig too, and I was just like, oof, this is the road. Yep, I'm sure she left impressed. <laughs> oh, she was so. Impressed. Is this how it always is? <laughs> She felt confident with me going on the road after that. I was That's just going to say, she... at least you knew you're not getting any. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Is this oh, one God. of your groupies, honey? The guy oh, with the God. stoma? Yeah, she was cocky. She couldn't wait for me to go on the road after that. And that's Vegas. Think about yeah, it. Yeah, right. It's like right. anything after that you can uh-huh. handle. 
Boy, it's sure wild here. Yeah. Y- your crowds get nuts, man. Yeah, dude. Love oh, it. Man. Love it. We're, let's uh, let's do a little bit of background here. Sure. Um, just because you haven't uh, been on this podcast before. Um, you grew up where? Manhattan, New York City. You did. And then I saw you went to college. UC Santa Barbara, California. How'd you end up going there? I, uh, it's a long way from home. Yeah, I only uh, applied to colleges in California. I figured, like, you know, if I'm going to try something different for school, I might as well. It was basically this. I was like, am I going to play basketball in college? And I said, I said, no. If I'm not going to play D1, it's not worth it for me to, like, have my entire college experience wrapped around, like, D2 or D3 school where, like, nothing's going to happen. Like, I'm going to have a real college experience. And so I applied to these only California schools. I grew up surfing. I know that sounds weird, but, like, my folks had a place with, with uh, by the water. So, like, we would go there in the summer. So I'd, like, surf. So I was, like, this inner city kid, but I grew up kind of surfing. It's just a random connection. So I was, like, yeah, I'd like to do that in college. So I just applied to California schools. Oh, okay. I said, fuck it. And uh, Santa Barbara was the best one that let me in with the most attractive women. Yeah. Was that or Santa Cruz. And all those chicks have fucking Birkenstocks and armpit hair, and they were just, like, free. Yeah, I guess, I don't know what's freeing about that, but, like, there's, yeah, it was just gross. You know what, though? You, you say that, and I, like, I went to a college that was like that. With Where? The Birkenstocks in Duluth, Minnesota. University of Minnesota, Duluth. Okay, yeah, yeah. That made, I was never around girls like that growing up, because I yeah. grew up in the city in St. Paul. Yeah. Here. Uh, that made me like girls like that. No, bro. You like armpit hair? And Not stuff now. Like that? Then I did. Like I got up there, and that's what I'll. That's all that was around. Yeah. Was like, look, I like that. If you're a fucking prisoner of war, you start liking rice and water. You know what I mean? But you know, if it's up to you, you're not going to choose like a bowl of like matrix slop. That's true. You're going to eat what's there. Like you know, you. And want... I was never going to go to California. So there you go. Yeah. But yeah, once you're back in the city, you're like, dude, fuck this. I want a girl with a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm not living in Duluth now. There we go. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. How, what did you go to school for? Uh, psychology. Did you finish? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I went to school for psych, started business, econ, and I just went to school for psych. But I knew I wasn't going to use my diploma for anything. I really did it kind of like so my parents had a kid that went to college. It was a very weird thing. I've always been very concerned with my parents thinking they did a good job raising me. But uh, and, and I was very lucky, man. They paid for it. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll just go, you know. Did you have a kid really young or something? Usually no. people don't think about that until they have their own kids. Dude, I was thinking about my folks, like, thinking they did a good job raising me when I was in, like, second grade. It's a very, very weird thing. I've been talking to my therapist about it. Jesus, I gotta, man. Yeah. That's yeah, some no, pressure. No. I, yeah, I guess it is, in a way. You know, I wonder what that what it stems from. I don't know. I just wanted... Maybe they were, like, depressed or something, and I just wanted them to feel like, hey, no, you look at me. You're doing good. You yeah. Know? So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I got to think on it. Yeah. I was listening to you on... Uh, an episode of uh, Jim and Sam's show. Oh yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you were taught, you were given some uh, some of your background on that show. So I had so I've learned that there's a rest, restaurant business, right? Oh, somebody have a restaurant or something? Well, or no, you worked in some restaurants. I, yeah, I just managed like restaurant. When I was going to school, I managed a restaurant. I put that one in the ground, and then I managed another restaurant in back in New York when I got there, and that side of business too. I'm really bad at managing restaurants. It's the worst fucking job in the world. <laughs> You're just an adult babysitter. You got all these people who like. I mean, nobody that I, I can't speak on the people that work here, but like nobody wants to be a waiter. Nobody, you know, like usually, especially if you're in a big city, you're a waiter because you have another dream you're trying to accomplish. Right. right? So it's like they don't even value the job. You know, what I mean? at least let's say let's say, you know, what you really want is like. Like like somebody them to have kids that's probably best like it's like I need this job because yeah. it gives food to my family I'm gonna have integrity with this work mm-hmm. but it's all like actors and actresses that you know that are like just they don't give a fuck they'll just get another waiter job it's just you just like telling them hey can you show up on time it's just the worst it's like it's the worst fucking job I don't recommend it management <laughs> sucks it fucking sucks dude just telling adults shit that they already know they're supposed to do yeah can't do it wrangling big adult babies yeah, yeah it's just awful it's just awful did you wait tables or anything before you got the yeah, manager I did the whole thing man I, I did all that kind of shit that was kind of fun waiting tables is you know you just get i get why people in the arts are drawn to it because you just get constant reinforcements like yeah 
right? It's like, oh, I wait this table, I talk to these people, they laugh, then they leave me a tip, and the tip is like the applause break, and then yeah, yeah, I like people. Oh, I do this because it's good for my schedule. No, you like being told you're great every hour when you flip a table and get twenty percent. Yeah, that, you know what uh-huh. I mean. There's other jobs you could also do. Yeah, you could walk dogs, but nobody gives a fuck. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh- Dan Soder was here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Dan. And he great. did the podcast. I don't think we talked about this on. I think it was off the uh, mic. But he was he was talking about waiting tables. Yeah, yeah. He and he was waiting. naming a bunch of the uh, celebrities that he waited on. When oh, he was really? Doing that. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was doing successful restaurants. Oh, <laughs> no celebrities coming no into celebs your place. Coming a biscuit barbecue or uh, what was the other one? The Bricks Cafe. Those are the two that oh. I that I uh, waited on or managed. Yeah, Yeah. Got any souvenirs? Got a, you got a T-shirt left over? Nothing, bro. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I was ready to be done with that part of my life, man. Was that the last job before stand-up full-time? Yeah, well, I, I, my folks owned a dance studio. They like teach like partner dancing and shit like that. So like I would help them out a little bit with their business as it transitioned into, you know, tech-savvy things, I guess. You know, I'm not very tech-savvy, but I can work my way around a computer more than my, my sure. very Just old Just because parents. of age, you exactly. know a little more. So, uh, so I did that for a little while, and uh, but no, it was just kind of right there into jobs. Like I never, I don't have any corporate experience in America, so it's uh, I never developed like office etiquette or anything like that. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a different. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I never, yeah, I never figured it out. That's yeah. I say that's success right there. Yeah, yeah. Is that success? See, uh-huh. expectation is very uh, yeah. important. Uh huh. Just yeah. avoid that. Avoid that at all costs. That's what I say. Make a living doing something fun. Yeah, you um, when did uh, so? When did the comedy start? Uh, senior year in college, right before I came back, maybe like a month before I came back, there was a comedy night at the restaurant I was managing, and they asked me if I wanted to try it, and I was like, Yeah, fuck it, I'll try it. So um, I did, and uh, first time it was okay. I think the second time I bombed. No. First time had to have been at least okay. Yeah, first time was okay. Sec, I did really well within the first three times once, and that excuse me, that was enough to hook me. It was like, oh shit, I, I see what this can be. This is great. And within the first three times, I also bombed really hard. Like it was, it was really bad. I remember during the bomb, I made eye contact with the bartender, and he just looked away. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, he like didn't want any. I part don't know of you. It. Yeah, dude, it was bad. So, uh, oh yeah, it was bad. But uh, bartender looked over. He's like, I'm gonna just, I'm leaving. Yeah, early, he like bro. started wa- you know, cleaning glasses and shit like that. It was, it was, yeah, dude, it was, it was, it was very, it was comedy. Just cleaning the clean glasses, dude, yeah, just to look busy, bringing them off the rack. It was, it was, it was a, whew, that was a bad one. But. uh yeah. Anything yeah. you were talking about back then that you would talk about now on stage? No, but you know what's funny is sometimes your earliest premises get out the actual feeling. Like, I had premises from 10 years ago that I've seen, like, comics dabble in now. And, like, just the premise, you know, like, uh, like there was one of my first, and I was looking back a little bit, one of my first premises was this idea, like, uh, um, oh, fuck, what was it like? Uh, like, why do we act like being a housewife is so hard? And then, like, uh, or like being a stay-at-home mom or something like that. And then Bird d- did a bit. He does this great. Oh, oh okay. yeah, it's so hard, you know. But uh, as you bend over, put the clothes in that machine that washes it for you, you know, that whole. <laughs> but like, and I, and I was like, oh, shit, I was on to something yeah. 10 years ago. I had sometimes like your most raw, because it's so organic, right? It's like you, you're not thinking, oh, what would be a funny bit? You're like, what are my thoughts? I don't even know how to make shit funny yet. Okay. What are these thoughts that I have you know, it's completely unfiltered. You yeah. Know? And then a lot of it was absolute trash. Yeah, a lot of it was just horrible. So you're, what you're doing right now on this podcast is accusing Bill Burr of stealing your ideas. Listen, he went back in time. He was at Brick's Cafe. No, I didn't even bring it to the stage yet. But, like, <laughs> it was just interesting, like, your thought process. Like, even back then, you know, I like to challenge conventional wisdom, right? Like, anything that we all agree upon is right. Like, immediately my my comedic brain is, is going, well, why is it right? Yeah. I bet you I can convince it's wrong, right? And, you know, I guess there's a couple levels to that. Right? Like, one is, like, then I could trust the laugh. Like, if I push you guys away, if I piss you off with a premise, but then you laugh at the joke, it's like, oh, you're really laughing at the joke. I'm, you're not, like, pandering for applause. Yeah. Like, I know what to say to get you to fucking clap like that's not hard you know what i mean trump is orange <laughs> so funny and it's just but it's easy right? right like for me comedy is like judge like gymnastics or like diving right it's like 
execution and level of difficulty. Yeah. If you execute an easy joke, I can't give you a 10 out of 10 because easy to execute, right? Yeah. It's like if you execute a really hard joke, then I can give you the 10 out of 10. At least that's for me. I, sure, that makes sense. But, um... And it's just I trust the reactions. Like, oh, they really find this funny because they shouldn't even be laughing. Yeah, at yeah. At least that's how I approach comedy. So even back then, I didn't have the skills to execute these, like, very difficult ideas. But uh, but at least that's how I was thinking. I was like, okay, how can I push the envelope? Where am I going with this? So that was that was the fun part yeah. for me, to at least look back and see. Okay, good, Schultz. You, you, you were in the right ballpark. You just didn't know how to do it yet. Now, was that the restaurant that we're talking about that you were first trying this stuff? Was that it? That was in New York? No, Santa Barbara. It was in Santa Barbara. Yeah, okay. Santa and then you Barbara. moved back to New York. Yeah, yeah. There was a there's a, a group of people that were promoting shows in Santa Barbara, and they're still doing it today. Andre Belikov, Louise Palenker, and um, and they were just randomly did it at the restaurant I was working at. And they just asked. And I was like, all right. Yeah, it's very serendipitous, my comedy career. Very much. Yeah? Yeah. I was always interested in comedy, but it just... I mean, like, ugh, so stupid to say, like, divine, but, like, like all, like, these these things would just kind of happen that would lead me into doing comedy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, this comedy show got canceled at another place, and the last day that the place was open, the owner of the restaurant that I worked at just happened to be at the cafe, and they said, he was like, hey, are you guys looking for a new place to do this? And they're like, yeah, you should do it at this place. You know, just all these sure. random, uh-huh. I come back to New York, and I'm walking by this comedy club, and I was like, hey, do you guys, how do you get on here? And like, oh, you should start handing out tickets. You know, you know, these like, you know, it was just interesting things that went down. So, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. What did you, uh, how long ago was that when you moved back to New York? I've been doing comedy a little over 10 years now. Okay. About 10 years, yeah. I think April is my, I think the 10-year, last April was the 10-year like time from the first time I went on stage. And, um, you know, and then uh, and then I think come the fall, this fall will be like 10 years in New York that I've been okay. doing. Okay. I'll probably say this fall will be my 10-year real anniversary. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Well, wow, things are going wow. well, man. Chilling, man. I'm good. I'm grateful, dude. I saw the uh, your podcast. Yeah, freaking crazy successful. Yeah, man. The podcast is dope, man. I, that that's been you know what's so funny is like we'll see people coming out here this weekend, hopefully for it. But like, and I've been on TV for the last five six years, and uh, nothing has brought more people out than the podcast. Yeah. Very Tom Segura intimate. said that to me here like four years ago. Really? Yeah. He's like, yeah, because it's intimate. You're with them for two weeks. You're with them for two hours every week. You know, like, they they know your life. Like, yeah. when I talk to these people that listen to podcasts, it's not the same conversation when I talk to someone who watched Guy Code on MTV or watch fucking Sneaky Pete on Amazon or one of these types of things. Like, it's a, or even I shot a sitcom that was the lead in the fucking sitcom for IFC. It's on Netflix now called Benders. Yeah. There's no connection that's like the podcast. Right? Mm-hmm. Because they're asking me, like, specific things about my life, about my family, about opinions I've had. You know, it's a very different connection. So when I'm in their city, they're like, oh, shit, I actually have the chance to, like, meet and maybe talk to this guy that I listen to every week. I might as well go check him out. So I love it. I'm stoked on it. How many years have you been doing that one? We're on 184 episodes. Okay. Yeah. You do one a week? We do one a week, yeah. yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, we do one a week. Yeah. Just basically try to talk to the headliner here. That's so, great. Yeah, like you said at the beginning, it's been a little over five years. Whoa. Has mm-hmm. the headliner ever said no? Sure. Who? <laughs> uh, I'll give you one. Emo Phillips. Emo's, but Emo's, yeah, Emo's not a jerk, though. No, 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 Emo's no. Like I don't the think sweetest that at all. Guy. I think it's more anxiety for him why, mm-hmm. he, why he didn't. Yeah. Yep. We, did an em- we did an interview with Emo back in the day. Did you? Not with the podcast, but with the thing that I used to work on called Comical Radio, which basically was pre-podcasting in a lot of ways. like I don't think Mark Marin has his show without Comical Radio because he used to come on to Comical Radio to interview comics with this guy named Daniel LaBelle, and I just interned on it. Really? So that is the WTF before WTF. No shit. Very interesting, yeah. Um, Where was was that? It was just done out of a uh, Baruch College. Danny LaBelle is this comic, and he really, it was great because he would use the college radio station. Yeah. And I don't even think he was going to the college, but like he found a way to finagle it, and then he found a way to get all the, the 
comedy clubs that had headliners coming in to make it part of their press junket. And then once they were there, he'd film video. I mean, he really hustled it, man. Sounds he, like it. Oh, yeah, he really got it. And uh, Marin would come by, and he would do it. And then I guess Marin started his thing, and boom, the rest is history. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done Marin's show? No. no. Never done Marin's show. Yeah. It's weird. I'm kind of an outsider in the, in the stand-up, like, how do I explain it? Stand-up bubble? I don't know, bubble, but like in like, let's say if it was the, uh, you know, if it was like a high school, I, I, you know, I, maybe I don't come across it, but I, I might be like the kid who's kind of like not really part of the cool kids in the stand up world. It's kind of funny to think of stand ups as cool kids because they're pretty much dorks. Right. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I wouldn't be like playing, you know, whether you know, basketball or whatever. I might be over on the side playing like Magic the Gathering. <laughs> You know, I, I, if we're looking at the stand-up world, I, I, I gotcha. <laughs> you know, and it's—I've never really figured it out. As far I might be like, there might be like a little prejudice towards like the MTV world. It might not be like uh, seen as very uh, like highbrow or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Did you ever think about that? I—I I mean, I've—I've I've read that at one point, like you've done like what four or five different shows. I don't know, yeah, tons. Even of shows more than that, MTV, probably yeah. for MTV. Did yeah. you ever think about that? Like, man, this could be. Work against me at some point. Being I think connected it's worked to MTV. Against, I think it's worked worked against me in terms of it's for and against. I think it's worked against me in terms of like perception. You know what I mean. But also, I have a lot of other things working against me in terms of perception, right? Like you know, it's yeah, I'm fucking six two. I'm good looking guy. You know what I mean. I'm straight white guy. You know, it's not How like dare you. It's yeah, 2017 yeah, asshole. It's just like, you know, so it's like oh, you're gonna be good looking and straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of nerve. Piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. And this business is not the best thing. So, like, and I haven't been, like, molested or anything that I can, like, you know, talk about, you know, which would, like, uh, take away from the fact that I'm straight. It's like, yeah, right. I'm a straight but I've been molested, guys, you know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, point being, like, yeah. so there's certain things that, like, I guess aren't pa- on paper aren't the best thing to have. And then the MTV Association, you know, coming from, like, Jersey Shore and these types of things like that. That being said... In my opinion, especially with comedy, cream rises to the top, right? So, like, I might not get invited to, you know, of course I did Montreal and all these things. But, like, what I had to do to do Montreal is a lot more than what other people had to do. Like, so by the time I got – this is just so funny. We're talking about, like – I always say like this. In comedy, whatever makes your life easier in real life makes your comedy harder. Right. So like, you know, I'm white male, six two. you know, I got a full head of hair and shit like that. Life is is good. Yeah, with yeah. That. It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Both of my, my parents pay for college. I got a lot of that privilege shit that people are talking uh-huh. about. But in order for me to do the Montreal Comedy Festival. Right. Which is going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, which is going on right now. But in order for me to do new faces for that, I already had a six figure deal with MTV. I had already had two shows that I two shows of my own that I hosted. So I'm not talking about like I was part of a I was part of like a team. I was on Guy Code and Girl Code and I did those shows. Yeah. I'm talking about I hosted two of my own TV shows. Yeah. So for me to do new faces, for me to be a new face, I had to have four TV shows, two of which that I hosted on my own. Yeah. So whereas some people do new new faces they've never been on fucking TV in their entire life. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. So for me, I've had to maybe in some ways, you know, work differently. Now, if I decide maybe not to go the MTV route, would it work for me in another direction and maybe really play the alt scene? I never really invested in that scene at the time in New York City, which was very popular, very influenced. But it was just never my dream. Like, I didn't want to do comedy in a fucking um, comic book store. You know what I mean? Like, I want to do comedy in comedy clubs. Yeah, I hear those stories. You know, Other people that come here, yeah. I just it, it was never it doesn't appeal to me now like people are like oh there's this really cool sh- show it's you know it's in the back of a a, a fucking tequila distiller um, no yeah no there's a place in California I know a lot of people come and talk about they're doing ones that come back of a comic yeah, book yeah, store. yeah 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 and oh. I'm glad that you guys have your scene and the thing but that's great awesome I want to do comedy clubs I want to do theaters and I want to do arenas you know what I mean that's what I've I grew up watching Pryor I grew up watching Eddie you know what I mean I grew up watching Rock. That's what comedy, you know, that's, I want that. You know, I want to bring people, and they could be all different types of people, to this place and then do comedy for them, you know. Um, Anybody big ever take you on the road? No. 
in the past? No? No, never. Never did that. Um Yeah, no, no, never I'm trying to think big guy. Not like big guy that you would you would you would think like that. No, never no one's ever No. No. Yeah. Because like I mean, you mentioned Chris Rock. Like I can see you. Oh, I would like, love to. But, I know. would love to. And listen, and this, I just was never, again, I was never like, I didn't also, I didn't know how to like kiss up to guys. I always felt uncomfortable, you know, doing that. You know? <laughs> I come from like a sports background. You know what I mean? Like where it's all meritocracy. It's like you get to play with people if you're good at basketball, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. it's not like you're our friend, so we put you on the team. Like if you're our friend, you suck. You wait for us to finish playing basketball, and then you're our friend again. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so, like so for me, I'm taking that personally because I'm the one on the outside who sucked. I mean, but you understand how <laughs> yeah. it is. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just, but comedy's different. You could be trash and just open up for somebody. You know, True. Whatever that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they're just if they're your friend. Absolutely. You're right. And also the other thing is like, I, I when I was coming up, I didn't want you to want me to open for you. You know what I mean? Like, if you, I want you to be sweating. Like, ah. I came up where, like, I came up with, like, heavy hidden dudes. Like, what killing is for what I perceive as killing is a lot different than what some people perceive as killing. Okay. Like, so, like, I came up, like, in the comedy clubs. I don't know if you know Greer Barnes is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I'm following Greer. I'm following, I mean, he's dead now, rest in peace, but, like, Mike uh, Stefano. Oh, yeah. Like, guys that, it's fucking hard hitting dudes yeah so that will humble you on the come up you know what i mean i'm not following some like dork with a fucking notepad who's got one-liners that are cute yeah you know what i mean i'm talking about <laughs> like like if you follow a greer you follow mike yard you follow mike Britt, like guys who are really gonna punch an audience in the face you know it's it's just a different ball game and yeah. then you know when i you know got into the cellar you're following Chappelle, you're following rock you're yeah following then it can Louis. be anybody you got to go for it. Yeah. You know, you follow a tell at two in the morning when he just did 30 and he brought Jeff Ross and they did a fucking team act. And then you got to follow. You know what I mean? Like, Damn. it's it's great. Like, I had to follow New Year's once at the cellar. They did a New Year's. They do a New Year's at the cellar. So uh-huh. they do the countdown and then they bring you on. <laughs> How do I follow a whole year? <laughs> I can't follow all of 2015. But you learn how to do that shit. So at least me, for me, the guys that I gravitated to, you know, they maybe they weren't like the industry favorites, you know, like a Greer or like, you know, Mike DiStefano or Mike Britt, but they were killers. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to, to like, my favorite is Patrice O'Neill. You oh, know what I mean? He's like, so good. in a lot of ways, the ultimate industry outsider. Maybe he ruined it for himself in a lot of ways, but like, you know, he, he was just the guy who was like, I'm gonna just, I'm going to stay true and I'm going to fucking destroy. So that was my thing coming up. My feeling was like, look, you get respect if you destroy. Like, I never tried to buddy up to anybody. I never tried to like, be friends with executives or anything like mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. all I cared about was just being undeniably funny. And um, maybe in retrospect, I should have like shook hands and kissed babies at some of these open mics early on. It's and- not in you. It's not in you. You know, right? Some people are born to just be people like that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I guess you. I, I don't know how to do it. I don't. I, I don't either. I don't know how to do that shit, man. I just feel disingenuous, and then mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm not having a genuine interaction with you, I mm-hmm. just pull myself back. Like even with getting pussy, like I don't know how to pretend I'm not trying to fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I gotta let you know I'm trying to fuck, or like you have to know, and I'm being sarcastic about how I'm not. And then I could be regular with you. It's just like, yo, I'm trying to fuck, but tell me about your trip abroad. You know what I mean? But like, but first you gotta know I'm trying to fuck. You know what I mean? Like, then we're good. Then I, get, I don't know how to play that whole game. Like, yeah, it's just. Oh yeah, I mean the culture is just so wild, and he's like, I don't fucking care about that. Like I care he's once. Such you a know. good listener. Yeah, I can listen as long as you know why I'm listening. Yeah. You know? Don't be telling me shit and then surprised when I'm trying to fuck. That's just odd. I don't understand that. So now I know you. Let's do this. Yeah, at least at least let me be honest with you. Yeah, I just want to be honest. So maybe I, you know I just I I don't know. So that was my whole thing. That being said, I gotta be grateful for MTV, man, because MTV put me gave me like a platform with a lot of followers and connected me with you know Charlemagne, and now we've created this amazing thing, which is Brilliant Idiots, and uh, that's a podcast that yep. we do, and. um 
and I, I got experience doing television, you know, for a long time. And, you know, I would go, I would, I got experience to have a fan base, you know? So there's a lot of these people who maybe are like industry darlings that I'm envious of that they have all these opportunities, but sure. they can't sell tickets. Yeah. You know, like I could go on the road and I could, you know, sell some t- certain markets. I could, I could sell some tickets. So it's like, I would maybe trade that for, if I had to choose between like being invited to Bonnaroo or like going on the road and selling some tickets, I I would prefer that. Yeah, just because that's what I want to do ultimately, stand up, and I and I want to fuck with the people. How does uh, all the acting factor in then with stand up being the number one? Oh, uh, I mean everything is just to to funnel back to stand up. You know, it's just all like it's like okay, at least in this business, in my understanding, is you got to have you got to fire multiple cylinders. You know, so it's like acting. Acting in a weird way legitimizes you to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so weird. Like, you could be in a show and nobody fucking watches. But since you're in a show, you could say, oh, well, it's going to be five grand a weekend for me. Where I could go to a club and I could be like, look, I'm packing shit out because this market really listens to the podcast. Here are the numbers. And they could be like, well, we don't know about podcasts. It's like, okay. I was the lead in a sitcom. Can I come to your day? Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. It's just okay. like, all right, uh, whatever you want. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, you know. Yeah. It's still a little bit... At least some clubs are a little bit antiquated. Sure. So they, they respond more to that one thing. Oh, you're, he's on a show on Netflix? I can watch it? Okay, yeah. I have mm-hmm. That looks a little sexier than podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just... I mean, acting's cool. You know, this spoils you, right? It's like you, you do this, you get immediate reaction for the laugh. Mm-hmm. Acting, you do it. You know, I filmed the movie. I filmed the movie Whitney Cummings last summer. You know, it was a cool scene that I had with uh, uh, Blake Griffin. We, I'm his plumber and shit. We're, like, arguing. What? It's, it's dope. But it's like, we're, the, she, you know, this movie's still not out. Okay, yeah. It's, imagine you told a joke and you had to wait a year to get a reaction <laughs> yeah. from that motherfucker. And then not really know when you're ever going to yeah. get that reaction. So it's like, you know, I filmed another f- movie the last year. It's just like, it takes a while. And even TV shows, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm, I did a, a sitcom for CISO. We don't know what's happening with CISO right now, but it was really cool about when Johnny Carson took the Tonight Show to L.A. Yeah, I read a little about, real about that. There's, oh, there's Johnny. There's Johnny, yeah. yeah. Paul Reiser produced it. Paul Reiser's the man. And um, and it's just, it was so much fun to do. And uh, right now, we don't know. It's supposed to come out in August, but right now, CISO's in, we don't know what's happening with CISO, so they're going to try to sell it somewhere else. Oh, so. okay. So it's like, that's the difference with acting. What I love about stand-up is, is like, it's right there. Yeah. You have so much control over it. You know, I, I don't like relying on people. I hate it. This week, uh, well, actually, most of the summer, there's a uh, contest, Funniest Person in the Twin Cities contest. Mm. Well, they'll have a couple people, you know, thrown in t- to tonight. They'll do, what, two or three minutes? Oh, great. And then uh, you know, there's the finals at the end of the summer and whatnot. Cool. They, they pick a winner. Uh, did you ever do those type of contests or anything? Yeah. I never did con. I remember one, I did, like, maybe one in New York for, like, New York's Funniest. But, like, I also don't think that, like... I don't know. I don't know if my style is suited for contests because I do want you to to disagree with what I'm saying. Like contests in a lot of ways are like likability mm-hmm. contests. You know, it's almost like politics in a way. Sure. You know, so for me, I think comedy, I don't know if you if it should be a totally likable. Like if a guy's going up and he's got one joke, you got two or three minutes. I'm not trying to shit on your contest. I'm just saying, for me, I've never been a big fan of contests. Like, yeah. the guys I like are often the guys that, like, are unlikable in a lot of ways. Like, <laughs> Patrice is unlikable. And a lot, you know, Doug, Doug Stanhope is unlikable. Like, these guys are going to try to justify pedophilia. Like, they're just going to think, you know what I'm saying? So if you got two minutes yeah, and you do that in two minutes. Exactly. It's your one joke. It's like, yo, fucking kids ain't that bad. It's like, I, I, even if you love that joke more than anything, you can't root for that guy over the guy who's like, well, both of my kids have cancer, but let's think of something funny about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird, it's it's a it's a different thing. I mean, I'm very grateful for the way I came up in New York because, like, in New York, I, I barked for a comedy club that hands out the flyers mm-hmm. in exchange for stage time. And then there was a place that had a room downstairs that we eventually, like, took over. So we would just say, free show, and we get five or six Swedish people some night. Some night we get 25, 30, 40 people in there on the weekends, but... It was a different audience every night, mostly tourists, you know, but the beauty of it was we got to experiment and find our voice 
in an environment that we weren't worried about a booker looking down our backs. Yeah. Right? Like, I imagine when you're trying to work here or work any other club on the road, it's just like, I just got to kill. I can't be taking chances with, like, really risky jokes. And, like, I was able to develop a style that was really more true to kind of who I am as a person. I don't know if I would have been able to develop that same thing at a comedy club where I'm worried about getting feature work or worried about being the host. And, hey, just just do your best and do the good job. Like, okay. We would walk the whole crowd. It was one of those things where, like, that was the concern of the night. The concern was, will there be people left at the end by the time I go up? <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but that was like, all right, who's going on first? All right, have him going first because he's a little easier in the crowd. Don't let this guy go. He's going to walk them all. There were times where they, literally everybody would leave and then you wouldn't be able to go up. Wow. But, at, but imagine you get to, it's like playing basketball against somebody way better than you. Eventually, you're going to get better because you got to meet that level of competition. Yeah. So that, for me, that was that was really cool. I, in retrospect, I'm like, man, I'm so grateful for that. So grateful to just be able to just say the most fucked up ideas and have nobody telling me I couldn't say it. Yeah. Nobody, nobody saying I'm not allowed to work there anymore. And I was able to really learn how to learn the skill of making things funny that aren't funny. Yeah. In a in a pretty safe environment i guess you could say i heard uh, i listened to another interview you did and you talked about you've filmed a special oh that's yeah not man. out yeah i filmed this special it's so dope man it's so dope it's so dope that no yeah, one can see it yeah it's so dope that <laughs> nobody wants to buy it yeah yeah it's uh no no it's you know what it is is um that's another thing like if i just want to do something and nobody's gonna give me the opportunity I, my ideas i've always just been like all right well i'll just do it mm-hmm. you know um I've been trying to sell it for a while now. It was really humbling and disheartening. I thought literally people who said no to me, I was like, I'm not going to put it there. I'm just going to use their offer to make Netflix give me more. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to really have it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to really have it on Showtime. Are you kidding? I'm gonna, you know what I mean? I just would use that as leverage, right? And then Showtime was like, we're not interested. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you put on fucking S'mores special or something. I don't know. I mean, don't let me shit on S'mores. She's a sweet lady. But um, point is, like, it was it was very humbling experience. But And, the, and the, the trickiest part of putting out a special is, like, is the finality of it. You know, like you continue to grow as a comedian. Like I'm a much better comic now than I was when I filmed the special. Mm-hmm. The idea of the special was a night in New York. So I basically filmed it at. Um, I filmed uh, my hour over five different comedy clubs, and I filmed the cab rides in between. And it's this, oh shit! This is what it's like being a New York City comic. You know, it's like you bouncing from club to club, doing spot to spot, whatever. Yeah, that sounds and cool, man. It's, yeah, you got to be more than just curtain. Like now, everybody is just curtain. So it's like, how do you change it up? How do you do something yeah. different? And um, I cut it down. I started working with uh, Russell Simmons' company, uh, All Dev Digital, and we cut it down to thirty. And I, I and and I'm there. They want to like, I want to just release it. I'm like, that's, that's what I was just going to ask you. Why don't you just put it out? Well, they're like, listen, you know, let's. We want to see. Basically, they want to. They want to sell it to some place, and they also. We also want to sell like a. I basically want to do like for comedy what Anthony Bourdain does for food. You know, so yeah. like, you know, parts unknown. Uh huh. So like, I want to go to like Boston and like, I want to explore a city through comedy, like he explores a city through food. So I want like all my favorite comics are from Boston. Like I want to find out why Boston's so funny. I okay. want to. They have like a comedy softball league, and yeah, like no kidding, Lenny right? Clark. All the way down to an open micer, everybody is involved in. Like, they got some house that these comics do shows in their basement that people come to. Like, I just want to explore these different nuances of a culture. Yeah. So I want to do that as well. So it's like a two part thing we're kind of pitching. So hopefully we'll make it happen. If not, part of me is also like, yo, I just want to give it away at this point. I want to put on YouTube, Facebook, every single day. Yeah, I want to see it. So yeah, I'll I'll (laughs) give you a link. I'll let you uh, this weekend, I'll let you see it. Right on. I got, I got to. I got to mention this before we uh, go too far here. Sure. The uh, the TV show that you did, uh, what is it called? Benders? Benders. Benders. Oh, yeah. You guys probably fuck with hockey up here. Big time. I want to tell you something a little. Yeah. Uh, I have a part-time job. Well, I do it at several different places around town as a, not a bender, a vendor, a beer vendor. A cold beer here up yeah, and down yeah. the stairs. Yeah, I work yeah. Vikings, uh, Wild, the hockey oh, games. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Must have been, when did that show come out, like a year and a half ago or yeah, something? Yeah, maybe a year and a half ago, yeah. Yeah. I was working at a Minnesota Wild game, and this guy, he's like, hey, 
Have you heard about this new TV show coming out called Vendors? <laughs> vendors. He goes, I'm pretty sure it's about beer vendors. I go, I really? Are you? Yeah, huh? Yeah. Then I heard the commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went back, dude. Vendors. Vendors. No, yeah, yeah. we're not that interesting. It's not about beer vendors, but nice try. There could be a sketch with beer vendors, though. Oh, sure. Oh, there could be. Like a web series. That could be a kind of funny. That's a funny. It should be very difficult to shoot. Yeah. Because you need to show you guys in the fucking thing. But that's a good little world. You could have funny interactions in that. Oh, there's there's plenty. But anyway, that's a little personal side note here about vendors versus vendors. He was so excited. This guy Tim I work with, he was so excited. It's so funny to see people like, you know, barrier of entry is very uh, important when it comes to the success of a show. Like IFC is more of like a nerd channel and Benders is a show about guys who play rec league beer league hockey as adults yeah like that's just like aging jocks basically uh-huh. right you need that on a channel where aging jocks will watch you need fx you need something like that. yeah right? that's a good point and it's like the second it gets on netflix i have all these guys you know coming to me, hey man i tell you i'm better you got for better when is that coming back and it's like oh bro it's already canceled you're late but, yeah, you're yeah, late yeah. where were you on ifc yeah. we needed you there did you yeah. have to skate on that show oh yeah we had to do one day of skating we did all the skating, no, two days of uh, we all for the whole series in two days, and uh, we were supposed to be horrible, so that was good because we were good. all absolutely <laughs> awful. I mean, so bad, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun experience. You never skated growing up? I did a little, but a little not bit. like enough to be good. Like, I mean, I have decent balance, you know, so I I could have fun, I could have fun with that. But it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a cool experience, man. It's a lot of, you know. Doing a show like that and, like, having to, like, carry the show in a lot of ways, you learn a lot, man. You learn. And also being, like, um, like being, like, a lead character in, in, in something like that, it's, I mean, it was ensemble cast, but, like, having to, like, the storyline kind of revolve around you, you know, is a, is a diff, it's a good experience for comedy because I think it's way more fun to be the side character comedically. Uh-huh. Right when you're the when you're the the lead, you kind of have to you have to be the, the the straight guy. Yeah, you know you're teeing everything up. Yeah, things are happening around you. Uh-huh. You know, like Jerry was the least funny person on Seinfeld. Right. You know, um, but there's also a little envy. It's like oh, I want to be weird like these guys and goofy and say these kind of lines. So it was an interesting thing to balance and uh, and you learn what it is you want from a show. It's like, do I want to be part of a funny show because that's really successful that would satisfy my ego. Or do I want to be a f- the funny thing on someone else's show? Yeah. Would that satisfy my creative itch? Like what? Or can you do both? Can you be Jamie Foxx or can you be Will Smith? Like how do you – it's a good experience in, in, in finding out what you really want in your career. Okay. I often say that like a lot of times people get what they want. They just don't realize what they want. Like sometimes people just want to be a community. Like they don't really want to be a touring comic. They just want to – be friends with comics. I could see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they end up staying at that level, and it's because they got what they really wanted. They just wanted friendship and companionship. Yeah. They just want to hang out. Uh-huh. They want to like go up on stage every once in a while, but it's more just like be invited to things, you know? Yeah. You're hungrier. Well, some people want different things. You know, some people really want the fucking, you know, sitcom. Some people really want, you know, I like talking shit. That's why the podcast, I think, works. Because I, I really want to do that. Yeah. You know, like, there's something happens in the news, I really want to comment about it. And um, and I want to do that on stage as well, and those are things I really want. So it's an interesting exercise in focusing. What Do I really want to be the straight guy on a show? No. I don't really want that. I really want to be the comedic guy on a show, or maybe I would really want to be, like, a bad guy. That'd be fun. You ever done bad guy? No. I'd be kind of wild, though. I mean, that's what, later on. I don't what, care about uh, acting like that. What, I want to ask just one thing about that. There's Johnny. Tony Danza's part of that? Uh, and Tony, so that's some, that, that What's Tony unreal. Danza like? Bro, he's unreal, man. He's like the most entertaining dude in the world. He's like fucking tap dancing on set. I was just going to say, is he tap so, he, this, this guy does not stop entertaining the entire time. Really? Okay. You turn around. He's doing a fucking singing in the rain tap dance routine, right? You go to the bathroom. You come back. He's got a ukulele. You go to the bathroom. Come back. He's like serenading the makeup artist it's unbelievable it's un he he doesn't he doesn't stop it's unbelievable and he's a fantastic actor yeah he's like a really really good actor yeah he's um what is your role on that i play one of the writers for the show 
Okay. And so there's four writers on the show. We write for Johnny, essentially. Yeah. Because it's about the behind the scenes of The Tonight Show. Like from the 70s? 72 is okay. when he moved it over. Okay. Because it used to be in New York, and then he was like, let's go to L.A. with okay. this, this thing. And so he could bang everything in L.A. He was a <laughs> coxman, that Johnny. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I, I played one of the writers on the show, and... Um, and yeah, it was just so fucking cool, man, wearing all this 70s shit and just filming this show that's really funny and having cool directors that like really, we just meshed. I had these three other actors, you know, they were improv guys and uh, we just meshed well and we just like, it was just, it was, it was like the coolest acting environment awesome. outside of working with Whitney Cummings. She was the, that's the, the most comfortable I've ever been acting, but like it was just so, people were supportive and it was, yeah, it was just, um, it was just great, man. Just riffing off each other. Like, people, we'd come in and, like, it wasn't really competitive. Like, improv guys are the best. Stand ups are the worst at acting because they try to say the funny thing. Whereas in acting, comedic acting, at least in my understanding of it, like, what's funny is you not knowing it's funny. Okay. Like, that's why, you know, Chris Rock and shit sucks at acting, but he's genius on stage. Yeah. It's because he's trying to say a funny line. You know, like he in stand up bits, da 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 da, he's delivering. Yeah. Whereas the best comedic actors don't know they're being funny. Like Will Ferrell doesn't know he's being funny when he says it. It's hilarious, mm-hmm. but he's saying dead seriously. Yeah. You know, will you fluff my wagon? You know, like he's literally, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he, he means that. The character feels that. Yeah. So, but when it comes to, uh, comedic acting these improv guys were so good because they 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 weren't like competing for who's funny okay. more. they're like trying to build the scene of funny i learned a lot from these guys and um yeah nate smith uh dave hoffman and daniel strauss and they were just so fucking good and we would come in and like a guy would have a tag for me or i would have a tag for somebody else it, it just didn't feel like we were fighting for who was funny it felt like literally like how do we make this scene the funniest yeah so it was cool yeah. Let me look at the time here. Oh man, I should cut you loose here. Cool, bro. What uh, is there anything else we should be? I I'm, I haven't held it against you the whole time that you're wearing a Yankees hat in Minnesota. But oh yeah, what do you guys like the Twins or whatever? <laughs> I don't. I don't. What do you guys it. like the Twins or I don't whatever? Know, fucking no, I don't. I hate baseball. Fucking, it's the worst sport ever. I wish I, I wish another sport would make good hats. <laughs> I literally hate it. I don't even think it should be a sport. I think the only reason it's a sport, like we have better sports. We do have better sports. Like, yeah, there's no there's no reason for baseball. You enjoy it? Not as much as I used to. Yeah. What is there enjoyable about it? If baseball was inside, would anybody care? Like, isn't we it? We had it inside for 20 years. Did the... anybody care? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, you guys are into that kind of shit mm-hmm. out here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's awful. And it takes too long. And uh, That's my biggest problem with it. It takes too long. It takes too long. It's, it's unnecessary. There's nothing happens. It's just, at least with soccer, it's like anticipation. Like, I get that. I'm You're learning like, that. Yeah. You can't watch soccer if it's not country for your country. That's how you need to get into soccer. It's very tribal. Soccer. So you're into it, huh? No, I just like America shit. Like, I'll watch fucking, what is the thing where they sweep? What is that thing? Curling. Yeah, I'll watch curling. <laughs> yeah. You know, most of the Olympian uh, curlers are from Minnesota. Really? Yeah. That's what's up, man. Yeah. That'd be fun. Are they good? Do they make good housewives? <laughs> <laughs> what if America had the worst curling team because women are so equal? Like, <laughs> like, like these other countries where women are still sweeping and doing chores, right, right. they come and just kill. That's like Mexico's curling team is amazing. <laughs> All we have to do is sweep. <laughs> well, it, you know what? If I don't know when the next Olympics are, but when the, if the team shows up and they're all Mexican, yeah. from the but living in the United States, Dude, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Take down the wall. We need to get the. <laughs> we need to get that curling gold, bro. Somebody tweet that to Trump. <laughs> Right on, Andrew. Thank you for coming here to hang out and uh, continued success, man. It's going well. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the weekend. Sweet.